0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the podcast. On this episode of the podcast, we discuss possibly the greatest ever SummerSlam, SummerSlam 2002, and once again joined by Spud, the king of the wrestling podcasting, and Alan, the fan who loves to be part of the podcast. As we gear up for SummerSlam season, let's reminisce about one of the good ones. Have a listen and enjoy. Well, welcome to this episode of the podcast. We're going to review SummerSlam 2002. I'm joined by the man who never misses, Spud. Spud, what's going on? How are you?
1: Streak continues. I'm on every wrestling cast so far. So why why wouldn't you have me back? I'm all good, mate. How are you?
0: Uh, I'm excellent. I'm very, very glad that we did a wrestling cast with you on it. You know, I think it's important, you know, you maintain consistency and we yeah. both are the consistent factor here. Also joining us is lifelong fan, now becoming panel member. We are joined by Alan. Alan, what's going on? How's your day going?
2: Yeah, not too bad. Bit of a quiet one. Um, worked this afternoon, so nothing too mad. Pretty, pretty good day all round.
0: Yeah, happy enough. We're going to talk about SummerSlam 2002. In my opinion, one of the best SummerSlam events there ever has been. Probably number one, actually, to be perfectly honest. Um, it was held... In New York, in the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum, now the Izod Center, which is a lot quicker and easier to say. Uh, mm-hmm. In New York, well, technically New Jersey, if you want to be geographically correct. But the 15th ever SummerSlam spot. Do you remember yourself as a kid get into this SummerSlam? What were your thoughts, or am I asking too much of your memory?
1: Probably asking too much. I remember the hype uh, with Brock Rock and uh, Triple H, HBK, but. Yeah, I don't remember, like, sitting, watching it on the night. I would have been, what, about 14 at the time? Yeah. No. <laughs> Not <laughs> up my head. I remember vague stuff about it, but no. Yeah. I re-watched right. it, I enjoyed it, but I don't remember it at the time. Yeah.
0: What about you, y'all? Any memories of this from back in the day?
2: Pretty much the same as spot. I remember the, the build-up to the, to the two big matches, you know, and um, Brock was the coin. Paul Evans phase, the next big thing, and it turned out to be a spoiler rather than a prediction. He was huge going to this. He probably the the hottest first year in wrestling and the return of Shawn Michaels after however many years, was it three or four years without a match and the whole shock of Triple H' turn on him. So there was some big build ups to it. I remember more the hype around it, but again I don't remember watching the pay per view at the time. Um I've watched it since and enjoyed it vastly. I probably agree with you and your assumption that it's the best of the SummerS but um, I don't remember it at the time though.
0: I mean, this was it was the first real SummerSlam after the brand split in 2002. We had SummerSlam. was a very enjoyable show. Survivor Series was good. WrestleMania was good. Even the Rumble was quite fun. The big four that year really did deliver. And I really enjoyed WrestleMania 18. thought it was very good. And SummerSlam, I thought, was another hit. Going into this one, brilliant opening. One of the best openers possibly that I can think of in recent memory or ever. This match was very, very good. Ray Mysterio, Kurt Angle, Spud, you first. What do you think, Ray?
1: Ray and Kurt. Well, like I said, I rewatched it recently. I had it in my head that this was Ray's debut, but it wasn't. Was it?
0: It wasn't his debut. He'd been on SmackDown a few times, and he did debut in two thousand and two. Now I can't remember if he was on any other pay per views,
1: but this might be his uh, pay per view debut or something like that. But I remember. Sorry. I remember like. In my head, see you talking about memories. In my head, this is his debut, but it's definitely not. I mean, looking at the match and whatnot, I loved the, I loved the match. I think it's one of the best openers, opening matches of all time. Yeah, it's just fast-paced, big guy, little guy. This is Peak Ray versus Peak Kurt. Yeah. So it's it's one of my fun. It was just a it was a fun pay-per-view all-in. Yeah. But this this is the perfect opener yeah it's just a, a fun match i love the start where he jumped them from the back yeah i love the fact that a year ago kurt angle was wearing a cowboy hat and <laughs> now he now he's like a wrestling badass he's like taking no mess he's got no hair he's like the wrestling machine everything about it was just it was a good opening <clears throat> taz and cole on commentary they were good they were Michael Cole called a few things wrong and stuff like that, but I'm trying to be positive about him for once. I think when you're not listening to him for three hours and you get a break in between he can be okay. Some of the reversals and the moves are great. I hate Rey Mysterio's theme tune. I hate the what well, it was the R. E. Y one. Who's that jumping out the sky, isn't it? Yep, it is. Not yeah. the I hate that. Um, I hate six one nine. No, it was it was just fun. Kurt Angle Kurt Angle just throwing ray mysterio about for like 12 minutes it's just fun yeah
0: and the thing i liked about it too is they both sold things very well like even when angle was caught with like a hurricane run, and he's like bounced off the ground and he's sort of holding his back a little bit holding his head and he's like struggling to get to his feet there was an element of selling to this even including how fast paced it was
1: yeah even um when angle was on i've actually did notes for a change lads this is the <laughs> first time since the very first podcast that we did so there. Even like when Angle was punching and grinding, you know Ray, he was like looking at his hand. He was hurting his hand. He was hitting him that hard. You know, yeah. silly things like that. Uh, there was a couple of things like Ray Mysterio landed right in the back of his head with the suplex that looked really sore. The ref, who's the who was the referee? The referee was it Jimmy?
0: Was the legendary Jimmy Corderas
1: <laughs> fan of the podcast? Uh, Jimmy Corderas, uh, they did the flip over him. Yeah. which got mad, like, crowd reactions. Also, I've wrote here, like I said, I'm doing a couple of notes, uh, I'm not trying to take everything, but uh, there was an angle slam that was reversed in uh, an arm drag that was fantastic. I'd not seen that up until then. I think it's still pretty raw from the WCW invasion thing. So I heard some, like, anti-ray chanting. <laughs> I actually did, like, see if you go back, it's subtle, but it's, like, uh, it's being programmed, and the WWE guys are fans to hate WCW, and you're still getting the fallout of that. So, yeah. you do get like, I uh, think just uh, up not, not the steer, the, I think that was Ray
2: oh, not coming in as off a bit of controversy because WWE like to think that no one's ever seen Ray without a mask. But he took his mask off in WCW, and he Vince made him put it back on. That was not long after this, and there's a whole controversy because it goes against the whole tradition of literally Libra so I think he was still getting a bit of heat off the back of that, cause this was his first big match and I think that's where some of the the heat was coming from as well as obviously the WCW connection but there was a lot of controversy that he had put his mask back on at the behest of Vince but you yeah. got a bit of a
1: bit yeah of, I mean I, I, it, it could have been 100% but like I said it's just little things that you noticed it's one of the best openers the finish was really fun really good match
0: yeah as you mentioned earlier, Spud, you thought it was Ray's debut. It was his pay per view debut. I had a look, it was. Um he debuted in late July, 20- okay. 25th, I think, of July I read. So this was his pay per view debut. When you lose sometimes when you lose a debut, especially because the writing is so bad, specifically nowadays. Ray lost this match and nobody he wasn't hurt by it because number one it was against Kurt Angle, it was a brilliant match, it was on pay per view. The crowd were going oh. crazy. From the get-go, from when Ray jumped them from behind. The crowd were hooked in this match.
1: The crowd were fantastic all night, but yeah, really good. This is the perfect opener to have. And we always say we have arguments over who gets buried and whatever. That's not a burial if you lose every time. Yeah, That was a good showing, good debut. He put Kurt Angle to the limit and came out looking like a bigger star than he went in. So everybody looks good coming out of this, even Jimmy.
0: Yeah, even our friend Jimmy Allen. Any thoughts on this one that we maybe haven't touched on?
1: Not, that, not that it really hasn't been
2: touched on, but I would, I would agree with with Spud there that this is one of the best first pay-per-view matches you'll see. It sets the tone for what is a fantastic pay-per-view out and the we we've talked about it, but the pace of this match, like you see, so many matches there's moments where they need to catch their breath where they do their headlocks and they land on the ground for 30 seconds the minute they get their breath back there's none of that in this it's just 100 miles an hour from start to finish and even the slight mistakes they make Angle and Mysterio just have this chemistry from the get-go that even there's one where um, I think Mysterio goes for her command off the top rope when they kind of botch it a little bit but Angle saves it halfway down he's meant to catch him in the ankle lock or something I think and he it still manages to look smooth. Like everything is just on point. And it's we talked about this um, a couple weeks ago on the the Hardcore podcast that we did about things making sense and where there's a few going on. And they start off with like locking up. Like the whole build up to this match was Ray kind of catching an Angle off guard. And from the start of the match, he's not down the ramp like you expect. He's behind him, pops off the top rope, sets it off perfectly. And angle's whole build up. To this was I'm gonna break his angle. I'm gonna make him tap out. And for the first three or four minutes of the match, I think that's like eight minutes or something. But angle just consistently goes for the angle lock. It's good storytelling. It doesn't go, I'm gonna break his angle, go for a roll after two minutes. It's angle lock, angle lock, angle lock. And it makes sense to the story, and I think things like that are really important. And that's why this is such a good start to the, the match. They've remembered the writers have re- you touched on it sometimes it doesn't make sense the writers have remembered what they've talked about beforehand what's been talked about in the promos and they've built on that and it's really set the pay-per-view off with a with a good start as you said no one did this week angles just came off was he at a I might be wrong but was he at a triple threat match for the title at the pay-per-view before yes yeah him and Undertaker, <clears> which
0: is actually a very underrated triple threat it's actually a very good match um, yep. and you some... The Rock was in yeah.
2: but he's came straight off this to, to a debut with Rey Mysterio who's known as a cruiserweight, it could very much have been a step down but it wasn't, it made both look strong, Angle gets a good win Rey Mysterio comes in his first match against some shit out of a 10 year a match and that's how you build people without you know, having a loser alright, Angle wins the match but Rey's a big name already off the back of a match and looks strong, not only was it good for me to go back and watch this creative and Today's wrestling can probably do with going back and watching it yeah. as well because it's it's how you set up. it's how you build stars, yeah. make both people look good.
0: As you said, they're about stars. The next match,
1: spot. see before you go into the yeah, go into ahead. the match, the shenanigans backstage. Because you were saying about the uh, brand split. Yeah. So Stephanie McMahon with her shiny shiny legs, and <laughs> uh, Eric Bischoff have to share an office. <gasps> What's <Yeah>. gonna happen? <coughs> that shenanigans Im- unfold. Uh, but yeah, I remember this. Them two just slapping at each other all night and slagging each other off. Going, "Here, RVD's quite good. I'd love to see him on SmackDown." It's like, I just forced fun. It's like, but. Yeah, next match, what is it there, Potsy? It's t- sorry. Two, two stars. Um,
0: don't be we, sorry at all, well, that was quite good. I, I, just, I sort of skipped that, but you're right, yeah. it was sort of this forced humour. Like, oh no, it's the first real pay-per-view that everyone's been together since WrestleMania. There have been yeah. talks of people being swapped on shows. Who's going to get swapped or what's going to happen? Definite, definitely an intriguing sort of segment for those that were hooked in wrestling at the time. But the next match was not short in star power um sort of goes, sort of was under the radar probably wasn't as good as the previous match but given the two people in it the star par carried it we had 16 time world champion rick flair and le champion chris jericho in in a match spot i know you would some funny some unique stats and fun stuff about this match if you
1: want to share oh yeah right so well, go to Al. I I started the last one and I took all of Alan's points. If you want to go to Alan, I'll sort of fill in the blanks. Right. Okay. See what he thinks about okay, it. Go, just go. To, just this sort of thing about it. You I know, think that's very
0: nice. That's very very nice. I am a nice squad, guy. You know, you know, as a as a holder of the streak, to give a fan a platform, Al. <laughs> fan becoming just a give panellist. Giving them the
1: rub. Them the rub <laughs> you're yeah. you
0: putting them over. i now that yeah. you've, now that you've been put <clears> over. What do you think about Ric Flair Chris Jericho?
2: First of all, I'm feeling privileged. I might have to hang up the podcast and mic after this. You know, Spuds really put me in a position there. Sometimes you should quit when you're at it. No, um, in all seriousness, though, this match reminded me just how good Ric Flair was. Um, not necessarily at his peak. Well, nowhere near his peak in this match. He's 52 in this match. And he's hanging with prime Jericho. And to put it into perspective, okay, The Undertaker was never technically as good as Ric Flair. He was never as... Uh, as good a wrestler while well, he was a fantastic character but at 52 the undertaker was thinking out wrestlemania with roman reigns and at 52 Ric flair is putting on okay it's not as fast paced as the the mysterio angle match but it's a pretty solid piece like i said the whole way through this jericho is at his peak and Ric flair does not look out of his depth whatsoever like Give this guy his dues. I sometimes you see Rick Flair now coming out and you're almost sickle aside of him because he's a party of himself, but he's phenomenal in this match. Um the two of them are two of Rick Flair's probably the best they ever do, it, and Jericho is one of my favourite ever wrestlers, so the, the level of, of ability in this match is is phenomenal and they sell it so well, they they're both kinda heels. Rick Flair's maybe a bit more faced at this at this stage, although he'll hate me for using the terms. Remember I interviewed a few years ago. But <laughs> he still has those tendencies and even whenever Jericho starts off, I'm pretty sure it's quite early in the match, been a weaker or two since I watched it now, but I'm pretty sure in the match Jericho slaps on a figure four and it just sells so well. The whole match itself it builds up and you kinda think, okay, Jericho's gone over, Jericho's gone over, Jericho's gone over and then quite near the end, Rick Ferra kinda Kind of takes his, his lead and halfway through the match gets busted open, doesn't he? As he always does at that stage. I don't think Ric Flair wrestled the match in between sort of '98 and 2008 that he didn't get busted open. <laughs> oh, um, it just
0: looks good with the hair, doesn't it? The really, you know, perfectly. That,
2: that bleach blonde hair does just set him off. But yeah, there's um they also they also sell pretty well. Even even the commentators in this match really get involved well whenever jericho puts on the figure four and flair taps out but grabs the rope at the same time it's just subtle things like that that, that make rick flair so good in the ring I, I have no doubt that he's probably come up with that himself backstage i don't reckon that's something that the writers have have told him to do i reckon he's probably you know he's so good in terms of selling a storyline yeah. within a match that he's probably about that himself that okay let's be smart let's grab it and tap out with so jericho let's go um and then the commentators get involved and they have a little back and forth over it's JR and, and the King, the best commentary team between them and, and The Brain and Gorilla Monsoon, probably. The best commentary team that we have ever had. And they make the match even better. It only lasts 10 minutes um, or so, but it seems like it tells an epic story from start to finish, let's match. Ric Flair, as Ric Flair always does, comes out on top at the end. I, I don't think it really did much in terms of either man's... I don't know where it went after this. I know some of the matches had real progression. and I might be wrong, this might have let off some great story, then, but I don't think it really went anywhere after this, but it just told a great story in, a, in the middle of a pay-per-view that was full of great matches.
0: Yeah, I, t- to me it was um, it was a, a bit of a quick-build feud just to get both guys on the card, a bit of star power, put them against each other. They're both big names, they both sell, they're both good in the ring, let's get them on against each other. And what's interesting also about this Rick Ric Flair came in the WWE sort of the 2001 after the invasion and was doubting himself. And this is well documented that he had personal problems and he <coughs> didn't think he could go anymore backstage. But here you've WWE's two biggest pay-per-views of the year. I mean, even if you include the Rumble, I guess, you, you could include the Rumble and go three. Ric Flair had a, a high-profile match at the Royal Rumble in the street fight with Vince. At WrestleMania he was given The Undertaker and at SummerSlam he was given Chris Jericho. You know, for someone who's doubting himself and doesn't think he's got it anymore, there's a high level of trust there in the company. They're putting them against established stars, you know, to either go over or to get them over. But what I I loved the figure four from Jericho and Flair grabbing the rope and then tapping out. It fit. It fits his character so well. Jericho stops screaming at the ref. You know, it's over. It's over, and he's like, no, he got the rope. But it's so good for Ric Flair's character. And something else that I love before I go to Spud here, when this match ended and Flair won and was walking up the ramp, the camera went to Jericho and he had hands on his head and he was going, oh, you son of a bitch, you son of a bitch. He goes, you stole that. He was selling losing. And I thought, brilliant. That's what's missing a lot in today's wrestling, I feel. It's not just selling in the ring, but it's selling losing. And Jericho looked frustrated and he was like, he kicked the steps and he was kicking the the sort of the barricade and the way out, he was frustrated that he lost and I thought, you know what? It just added that little bit to it. Go ahead, Al, and I, then we'll go to
2: Spud. I agree with what you said there, yeah. They they really made it seem like it mattered to win or lose. Um whereas sometimes people have matches these days and they get beat and they just roll their ring and dander off. But I just realised that I've absolutely made myself look like a complete idiot because the, this match not lead the they're not getting a title shot off this match against Triple H, which then kinda of slow built up the Unforgiven where he teased hit him with the sledgehammer and led to the, the creation of evolution, I'm pretty sure actually this match was the, the starting point for. So I'm nearly certain that I've absolutely talked a load of nonsense, but this not really led anywhere and it led to one of the best factions, if not the best ever. And this was the start of the storyline towards possibly I'm ninety nine percent sure that, perfectly. Honest. I'm ninety-nine percent sure that Flair got a match against Triple H for the title, and then in a later pay-per-view he teamed the Rob Van Damme against Jericho and Triple H. And then from that, I'm saying, like, needed here, rounding off all these matches. I'm nearly certain that it ended up that Van Damme and Triple H were in a title match, and, and that's when Flair teamed up with Triple H. And it wasn't long after that that they kind of ended up going division. So this match, I'm nearly certain, actually did have a pretty big impact on wrestling up until even today. So, yeah completely disregard the nonsense I talked about really not matter <laughs> not anywhere. you could, you could
0: <laughs> be right I don't remember Spud might remember Spud, give me some I thoughts don't. on this match and then anything else you want to talk about regarding Jericho and flair
1: um right so um see if you watch the, see if you watch this back there's a couple of things there's nothing I want to add because it Alan's pretty much covered everything um right so flair did five moves the entire time (laughs) i made a note he did where is it sorry he did well obviously the chop and the figure four to finish i'm counting low blow (laughs) as as a move uh he did a back body drop um and a back suplex so there's your five the rest of the time it was his wee punches that he does, you know, his wee short punches, mm-hmm. chops, woo. Uh, it's his first SummerSlam as well. Really? Rickler, there's a, there's a little fact for you. Uh-huh. Also talking about getting buried, why did why did Jericho continually bring on Fozzie to get slabbered about by King and Jr. <laughs> That's to right, to get, that, like,
0: that the commentary in that yeah. match is actually very, very funny. I remember that night yeah. where we said, Jack, who's a, a rock star? And is like, well, it's not the type of rock I'd want to listen to. <laughs> yeah,
1: also, I think, see the robe that Ric Flair came out yeah. with? It's like the blue and silver, blue and white kind of deal? Yeah. I think that's Charlotte's from Mania. Oh, remember really? a couple of years yeah if you look at it it just reminded me and i remember she said that it was made from one of her dad's old robes mm-hmm. i believe that's the same one if you look back i don't know 100 percent, but jericho was two when flair debuted <laughs> um yes. another couple of things well okay a couple of questions that i want to ask is is the chop the most over move ever it's up there. Quite like, possibly. Probably, yeah. Every chance like, gets company. a woo. Exactly. No matter who does it, no matter what company, that might be the most over, maybe over the last, like, 40 years. Like, it's not impactful, but it's always guaranteed to get, like, a woo.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Even Baron is, Corbin gets a woo, and he every... gets nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I um, think you're probably hitting any on the head, there,
2: yeah.
1: Put it this way, if you're in a crowd, in a wrestling crowd... <laughs> And you pretend to chop somebody, there's gonna be one agent that will woo. It's probably gonna be one of your mates, but it still counts. Yeah. Um Flair does the mess or the best with so little. It's two cheaters trying to out cheat each other. I like that. One's a face and one's a heel for no reason. <laughs> Just the facial expressions and how the crowd react to them. Um is Jericho the noisiest wrestler ever? <laughs>
0: Because... Ever Mankind? Look <coughs> up no, there. Do you
1: ever Carmella hear... Carmella kind? Uh, well, I never really thought she was that loud. I've, she, she,
0: she, I've she, seen her live. I've been quite close to the front row and she wasn't loud.
2: She just screams and everything. <laughs> Although, did she... Um, no, I'll not
1: say what's I going to say. Come on.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, uh, Mankind doesn't realise he's doing all those mad noises you know that atcha, atcha
0: yeah i heard that before Someone yeah. told me that said in
1: his book i think i think uh-huh. he said it in his book um a couple more things it's one of the only times i think rick flair won with a figure four in wwe <laughs> um and fozzy i popped for Fozzie. that's pretty much it yeah no it's it's a fun match it's not my favorite match of the night by any stretch I like the storytelling. Like you said about, I think Jericho's really good at selling <laughs> losses. Yeah. Even against Michael's, was it the mania after? Yeah. The little blow um, and then he storms up the ramp and holding his head and yeah. looking back and stuff. Everything. Um. Yeah. I, I really liked it. Really enjoyed it. Um. But again, going in with a critical eye, I was kind of not watching it as a fan, as somebody that's going to talk about it in a, a podcast you noticed how limited flair was but you noticed how over he was because he didn't need to do 50 flips and a 100 suicide dives <laughs> he, it... he's just a guy, he literally did five moves if you don't include punches and he was up until like the uh hbk triple h match he was probably the most over on the card up until then you could argue maybe Ray or whatever because that was the opener but people love flair i love flair yeah. i think he's great yeah but uh, yeah great match short fun storytelling cheater just fun i forgot this match happened this is one that i was pretty intrigued to go into and i wasn't disappointed
0: yeah i'm going to ask you a question there just on something you said um you're pretty much saying flair done so much with so little just because he was over Mm-hmm. that's definitely in my opinion that's a lesson for today's workers here's a lot yes. here that done very little in terms of his in-ring work at this stage of his career but because of who he was his character his gimmick his person whatever way you want to word it he was just over he didn't need as you just said to do flips to do somersaults to do dives to do have super kick parties he didn't need any of that stuff he was just over because of who he was is that something that's missing in today's product
1: well, he's uh, it's it's gained from being a 25 year old or 25 year veteran. From then, you know, it's Flair. Flair's 52, as Alan said. Yeah. Um. So he's going in. Everybody knows what they're getting with a Flair match. I don't think I could debut and do what Flair did. And <laughs> get, baby get baby his, is yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the, he's really good at selling. I've always liked uh, talking about noisy wrestlers and whatever. When he gets hit or chopped he sounds like he's in pain yeah he's like oh god oh god and he does the (laughs) oh god you know that also one of the noisiest wrestlers ever albert (laughs) just throwing that out there but uh, (laughs) yeah i just think his expressions how he sold it is a lesson to an extent but you need to get yourself to that point you need to get Um,
0: first before you can do that
1: yeah you need to uh, walk before you can run yeah. But at this point, at this point Flair was crawling and getting mad reactions. Yeah. There's an analogy. That was quite good.
0: <laughs> as you were talking about Rick Flair and his selling, it's something that always sticks out to me. I always love when he gets Irish whipped into the top corner and he always flips over the top rope. I always oh, the messed that up? Oh yeah, I did. I noticed that the first time I did it, he messed it up, yeah. Um, they messed
1: off- it up and then fixed it straight away because he just leaned up against the ropes and got clothes lined over. They always they obviously had a spot outside. Yeah. Uh, so they just were professionals <laughs> and did yeah. it. They didn't just wait five minutes and then try it again. Yeah.
0: Third match of the night, and we're gonna stick with you, Spud. Al, I know you're chopping at the bit there to get on the mic here again, but uh, since Spud went last in the second match, he's gonna open this one. Two wrestlers in the midcard, both mm-hmm. quality workers. Both of them have legendary status. Edge recently returned to WWE. Eddie hey, Guerrero, what do you mm-hmm. think?
1: Uh, two of my favorites. Another one that I was surprised was on the card. Uh, I only remembered like the opener and the last two matches. This is a fantastic match. It was fun. It was fast. It was
2: mm-hmm.
1: Eddie, just, Eddie just focusing on a body part. It was the shoulder. Yeah. And doing everything towards it. He'd done a mad jumping top rope shoulder breaker. I love Eddie. I love Hila straight away. Yeah. And I love Spanish guys, Japanese guys shouting in their native language. I think it's underrated and underused.
0: It adds a bit of realism, I, doesn't it? You know, it makes yeah. it sound like they actually are frustrated or they're passionate or whatever.
1: Yeah. Like shouting at the ref, like that should have been three in Spanish. <laughs> just adds a little thing or shouting to the guy. Fast start, very even match, very quick. Uh, his shoulder was ruined amazing match edge is a star at one point the commentators say eddie's jealous of edge because edge is a sex symbol which (laughs) came out of nowhere for me (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, he did the frog splash from the top rope onto his shoulder i just love little things like that nobody works a works out a body part anymore or if they do they forget about it halfway through the match fun there was a couple of really amazing northern Lights suplexes a couple of suplexes in general execution his ddt might be the most kicked out of finish of all time <laughs> it might be i mean it's not even his finisher anymore but yeah just a great all-round match two big stars coming up just shows how much faith was put in there also the fact that they go on to smackdown to be the smackdown six quote unquote yeah um heyman was there obviously and he was in charge of smackdown so he obviously looked at that match he had to have been watching that match yeah And being like these are the two guys i can build a brand on
0: and that was, that um, was around the time of smackdown too that raw really had the star power and smackdown was sort of trying to create stars and it was really yes. putting on the better quality wrestling, whereas Raw sort of had the bigger name, bigger storyline type thing. And every time you watch SmackDown, you're like that was a great match, that was a brilliant match, that yep. was a class match or whatever. And these two really epitomised it to an extent, along with a couple of the other guys.
1: Yeah, um, like I said, it's SmackDown Six or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it's just a, it was a fun match, really, really good. Two young guys that are going to be, well, going different directions, I suppose, but. It was Edge that won. He won with a spear, didn't he?
0: Yeah, execution and then a spear, yeah.
1: Yeah, loved it. Really, really enjoyed it. What do you think, Alan? Kind of sad Edge came back, to be
2: honest, because he was phenomenal. For 10 years, he was as good as it gets as a a heel. Eddie Guerrero was brilliant. He sold like nobody else. He had charisma that was just not... It didn't seem forced in any way not long back to the WWE I think did he get let go over uh, getting caught drink driving or something he wasn't long back and this was one of those first feuds he'd just moved to Smackdown before it this match as well it made sense it was another one of those things that the story storytelling at the time was very good and things made sense that they did they didn't just have a ma- have like a hell in a cell match and then go on to a different type of match they started off this feud nice and slow simple singles match that just showed the best of both guys, and then I think they faded on to an expert you had a notice qualification match later on. I had a because they didn't really know the background of this match and stuff, so I was watching it. I thought I'd check it out, and it really was setting these two up to be huge stars. It showed what they could do in the ring with each other that over the next few years kind of elevated SmackDown to be the A show, as they like to refer to everything these days. Yeah, the match itself, like even. The fact that Eddie Guerrero did his frog, frog splash finisher, but on the Edge's shoulder specifically, rather than just hitting him like a move, everything was targeted. Everything in that match made sense, apart from as you mentioned, the sex symbol coming towards Edge. Given the fact that Eddie Guerrero, for like two of the previous years, had been referred to as Latino hate and solely referred to as like a sex symbol, not much more to add really. The match was was brilliant it was consistent throughout. As you say, they focused on a body part and that body part actually seemed to be injured throughout the match. And then, yeah, did, it, did Edge ever win a singles match with Education? Um, no, I don't he think He won so. a few, few tag team yeah. matches like with it, but I, I don't think he ever won a match of any, maybe the odd throw a match on like SmackDown or something, but did he ever win a significant match with it? Uh, I don't think so, but yeah, it made sense. It made, again... As we touched on with Edge and Kurt Angle, nobody, while it went down as a loss in the Raggle Brooks for Eddie, nobody lost in this match. They both looked really good. Eddie was just on the SmackDown. They had a couple more matches. They both came out looking strong. And it was great fun. Two of my favourites to watch. Watching it back, I had forgot they even had a rivalry outside of tag teams <laughs> at that stage. Uh, so to watch back was good fun to see Two of them, just as they were about to really take off, and WWE was was good, was good enjoyment to watch, and it was a nice filler match. It didn't, it wasn't a go make a cup of tea match as, as a lot of matches are in the middle of the card these days.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's something like if we if we talk about maybe the undercard in this pay per view, there's six matches in total, and we're halfway there. Um, we've already looked at matches and went, this is good, this is good, and this is good. And one of the th- recurrent themes that I'm seeing through these matches is the selling. Like, Eddie done something to the edge of his shoulder going into the pay-per-view. He focused on the shoulder the whole match. He tried to nail the shoulder. He frog-splashed the shoulder. Flair sold exceptionally well. Jericho sold well. Angle and Mysterio sold well. It was just such a well-put-together undercard. And it and it continues, and probably a match on paper that maybe doesn't hold as much stock, I guess, compared to the previous three. But a match I really, really enjoyed. And, a, and one specific tag team. I, I like both these teams, but one of them in particular I loved. And it was the Un-Americans, Lance Storm and Christian. They had a brilliant, hilariously, <coughs> heelish promo, I thought, before this match. And they went into this match. Decent match. Was nothing spectacular but the crowd did pop for the hot tag to Booker T, which is basic tag team 101 wrestling. Alan, you can start this time. Any thoughts on Booker T and Goldust against Storm and Christian?
2: It was almost in there just for the enjoyment factor. You had the Americans doing their sort of comedic, hellish interview beforehand, which which I really enjoyed, actually. Sometimes you get, you know, I think spot touched on it, maybe on a previous podcast where... You get your Russians or your Ukrainians or your fake Russians um, from Bulgaria who come in and they just t- spew the same lines. Um, Christian especially stood out for me in that promo. The match kicked off with them coming in with their upside down American flag. Yeah, I popped for that. One. <clears throat> it, it all made sense. And Dan Storm's one of the most. I know you did the underrated pay per view. Uh, Not big podcast, and two guys in this match were two of the most underrated wrestlers ever for me. Lance Storm, who in the ring he kind of got buried by Austin with the boring chance, and Goldust or Dustin Rhodes, whatever you want to call him, such a good wrestler, got landed with an absolute horrid gimmick and made the most of it. And this match is brilliant he's yeah. so good
0: so fluid it's funny and, as you're saying i about them being underrated because when i sent a tweet out last night just to promote the underrated podcast i actually on one of my follow-up tweets I actually said i have to apologize for lad storm just for not even mentioning him because he was so so good, so good. um one of the things i liked was, was tests running and tests to give booker t the big boot because you were just desperate for Test to get his later on in the show i thought it just added a little bit of flavor there it made sense
2: yeah it really did again it's something we touched on before but sometimes matches in pay per view seem like they're individual shows whereas this it did i don't think it was coincidence that the test Taker match went on after this not directly after it but you know it was later in the card and it almost added the lat hatred of test that he's come in and, and booted booker t booker t another one that get kind of lumbered with being an ex-WCW guy and they didn't really want to give him the best. I, I almost think that they put him with gold as you know, a bit of a, a put-down somewhat, but he took the ball and he ran with it and he made a, they made a great tag team. There were some subtle wee things in the match, like um, because he hitting his, his double scissor kick on both Storm and Christian, he got his moment to do his spinner, is Which... Mm-hmm. For something that's not in any way a wrestling move, it's not even a good to move. It's really awkward looking, but the crowd (laughs) loved it every time. It was so slow. He took 30 seconds to get up from it, but everyone loved it. I remember the time I loved it. like I couldn't wait. I was like, is he going to do a spin already in this match? And you would find yourself on a night out doing it. Like, like, yes, five times. So yeah, it was just a good, fun match, and... The Un-Americans, I agree, were were a fantastic um, tag team. I know you loved them personally. I'm actually surprised, given the fact that I you know someone else you love, that you didn't include the heat match before this pay per view and in, in the review. Um, given that your hero Stevie Richards was in it, but um, I thought yeah. I, c- I
0: thought I couldn't use that because Nate <coughs> is not here. Um, to bring up Stevie yeah. Richards and say this is one of the first times he's wrestled in four years without wearing black pants or something. So I felt I couldn't, couldn't go down that route. Yeah,
2: there's nothing really much more uh, to say. Unless I think it was just in there. Obviously, it's the uh, tag team titles. The Un-Americans are very underrated to tag team champions. But yeah. it was good. I enjoyed it. It was it was what it was. It was sort of a 10-minute filler match between Edge and Eddie. And then moving on to the bigger matches. Yeah, it got what you wanted. It got the pop from the crowd. It got the heels booed even more and he'll even more for the interference it was another interference though that made sense and um, you know Tess coming down it wasn't overregged it wasn't like he was there for ages or he did five different things he came in did a big button in Booker got taken out moved on to the next thing um, so yeah it was, a, it was a good match probably underrated on the card because of the other f- fantastic matches on it but it was it was enjoyable
1: yeah Spudgun any thoughts? Yes. It was like an old-school sort of wrestling match. I think Lance and uh, Christian are obviously tag-team guys from back in the day. Uh, they were doing the trip when they're coming from... Do you know where the the guy goes and pulls them off the apron? Yeah. Love that. It's like you never see that anymore. It's so underrated, um,
0: isn't it? It's so heinous. Yeah, it's, it's so, heinous it's so, so easy.
1: It's, it's such an easy move. It's an easy move to take. USA chance. Nobody was over in this match except America. Booker (laughs) T and Goldust just benefited from being born a couple of miles south from Lance and Christian. On Americans, the Canadian thing is the easiest and most harmless, I would say. Foreigner versus gimmick. I'm doing quotation marks there. uh, Versus uh, American thing. Yeah, Yeah. Because it's literally just... I don't like America. JR hates when people don't like America.
0: Yeah, and I, I, I don't know whether he actually hates it or he just sells it well, but it, but he's brilliant
1: at it.
2: Do you know he what? He I sold think, the life out of it in that match J- anyway.
1: Yeah, he was <laughs> not impressed with Test running in. How could they? These guys are fighting for their country. It's like, <laughs> all right, calm down, JR. Come on. Couple of things. The USA, like uh, the crowd champion USA, USA. <coughs> works with this match, doesn't work with Brett versus Yoko in WrestleMania nine. <laughs> think think about that. Like Americans chant USA no matter what. test comes in. The show the replay. It's one of the worst replays I've ever shown because the referee is staring at Test. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you see the referee on the ground, quote unquote, knocked out. He is looking at test. We all seen him. He's six foot seven or whatever, and he's putting Booker T in the face. Anyway, we're talking about. We've always said about the placement of matches on cards. I think this is one of the best ordered. I suppose you would say top yeah. to bottom uh, cards that WWE's ever put on. This is just there, and it's it's honestly it's a great match. It's a solid solid tag match. You were up from the previous one, you were up before that, and then the opener's mad, oh, and then, oh, flare, and then up, down, up, down. It's not like, oh, right, like Alan says, not the cup of tea match. You still wanted to see it. Yeah. So, this is one of the best kind of uh, set pay per views that they've ever done. Top to bottom, I've watched a lot, and yeah, this (laughs) could be up there. Has to be.
0: Yeah, I mean, as you're talking about match placement, I thought this was brilliant, because you had a lecture like, wrestling 101, with Eddie Guerrero, and then you had just something different thrown in the middle, and then you had another excellent wrestling match between Chris Benoit and Rob Van Damme. Yeah, Spud, talk to me. Chris Benoit, Rob Van Damme.
1: Just before
0: that. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> we go back to Bischoff and Steph.
1: Just before that. Uh-huh. Right, so, remember Nedia?
0: That's right. There was the snogging thing.
1: Yeah. New so, York. uh, it was that New York. I don't know if it was still called WWE New York or was, it was it, called something. It was Blair. the World. The World, but it was the same place, wasn't it? <laughs> mm-hmm. yep it was. Um, so it was Nidia and Jimmy Noble, who I believe was meant to be her cousin. Is that true, or have I made that up? I don't know
0: if they were, if that was a storyline, or one of the commentators said that. But they were boyfriend and girlfriend, and I think it was a throwaway line from a commentator. Being like, oh, I, I think, just I think he's it. actually her cousin or something. Because it's probably it,
1: King. It's probably Yeah, because it played yeah.
0: into the whole, like, they were from, like, um, a trailer park or something. <laughs> it was, like, yeah. part of the gimmick they were going with.
1: So the whole thing was there was three guys, three obvious developmental wrestlers that were standing there. And Nidia just had to pick one to jump on and molest. <laughs> and... So Nidia just picked some poor guy, and do you know who loves it? Jimmy Noble. He's standing there going, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah, go on, give it to him." And do you know who else loves it? Eric Bischoff. We we'll cut back the Eric Bischoff, and he loves it. And then Steph, we are Shiny Legs, uh, said, "Well, women should be on top. It's where women should be." And I'm, I wrote this down because i forgot all about it i'm like vince wrote this or vince at least cleared (laughs) eric bischoff and his daughter the mother of his grandchildren to sit and flirt with each other now correct me if i'm wrong but eric bischoff kissed linda that is true that happened yeah yeah Uh, because he said you're quite a big breasted woman aren't you or something like that and then (laughs) get laid in there so vince did that then a while before it's just uh what about stephanie do you want to make out with these lesbians yeah let's let's go for it and then albert's gonna beat your head in what's wrong with vince nobody thinks about this did vince not
0: push a um, a storyline yes. between him and Stephanie were going to be like sort of getting it on. And, and Stephanie was like, no, definitely not. And she completely shot it
1: down. Stephanie was legitimately pregnant. And uh, Vince is like, Happy days. This is an opportunity. Let's ruin everybody's lives. Uh, I want to be the dad. And Stephanie's like, No, I t- Dad, no. That's, that's too much. And he went, Okay, okay, okay. What about Shane? <laughs> the man's a maniac the man is header but this is what i'm thinking of it's like eric bischoff uh you can just sit and stare at my sister or my sister my uh daughter sister would be better. better
0: i mean if he had a sister
1: he probably Maybe would he better. probably,
0: probably would have tried that too
1: <laughs> he probably has had a sister and he's tried it it was probably one of godfather's hoes <laughs> you just don't know but
2: yeah, just remember. Was remat- we know that- a lot? Cruise at this time too. Like he had a
1: he had a tail. Yes, kill. he was. Yeah. Yes, he was holding or had it round his waist, and he's going, yeah, "Yeah, Nidia, get her, get him, get him." <laughs> just like, two why, weird why segments after the other, wasn't
0: it?
1: Very strange, man. Very strange. I mean, but yeah, sorry I, for I, interrupting. I tried
2: to forget that. I was quite glad and partly skipped past it. But yeah, traumatized again.
1: Happy I ends. just I just
0: didn't take Drop. notes on the on the stuff in between. I probably should have, known, that uh, especially now Spud wants to go into it.
1: Chris Benoit versus Rob Van Damme. right? Um, see with this, right? It was good match. I'm not gonna get into minutia of it. I'm not just gonna go nuts. Apart from the fact that Benoit was huge, like I said about Eddie earlier. Yeah. Um, suplexes, kicks. Everything was snug, stiff. I love Benoit's kicks and chops. I love. I think they look real, legit. One thing I'll say, and I don't know. I, I want your opinion, actually, guys. Um, RVD, I've always thought he's he's fun to play as and a like a PlayStation game, but I've always found him a little bit like sloppy, especially in this match. I just think he's a little bit... He doesn't care, whatever. I don't know why he would be so relaxed. I've no no idea why he would be just <laughs> sort of laid back. But see, like he just looked a wee bit like... And I, I've always thought this, like he looks like he doesn't care. And I don't know if it's the fact that he's so naturally talented that he knows he'll have a decent match. Whereas the likes of uh, Jeff Hardy doesn't care because he doesn't care if he gets his head. He doesn't care if he breaks his neck, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think uh, I, I,
0: I, I would agree with you, Van Dam. I think he, well, I think for a start he's probably on something, but I heard I listened to Rob Van Dam on Austin's podcast, and even when he was champion, he just said he just to him it's just a business and it's just about making money and having fun and enjoying himself. And hundred percent. And I and I think that's all it is. That's what I think. He he knows he's talented. He knows he's good. He's one of those guys that's consistently over regardless of storyline regardless if he's a tag team a single whatever Van Damme's getting a pop and that's just it and I think he's just he just goes out there happy as Larry just to go and do whatever he has to do if he was told Rob you're losing the title to Benoit or you're not regaining the title from him he's like okay dude no problem or, yeah. or if it's like, okay, it's your turn, you're going to win the five stars, like, awesome, dude, and he just goes and does it, and <laughs> he just strikes me as that type of character.
1: Yeah, he's just happy to be there. We were talking about Ricochet the last podcast, he's just yeah. happy to be doing what he loves. But yeah. it, it's just something about it, I always feel he's a little bit sloppy, uh, the split leg moonsault I think is awful looking... It looks good, but it never hits or it never hits properly. It's like Starship Pain or whatever Johnny Nitro. What do you call him these days? Morrison.
0: Morrison.
1: Yeah. There's a couple of things with this match, right? Uh, one I just thought was really funny. RVD does his nip up on the top rope, and he's got his back. to Benoit, and Benoit pushes him like he always. That's one of RVD's spots. He gets pushed out on the floor. Yeah. And the crowd go oh, and then there's one guy that just goes suck it up (laughs) the RVD right in his face and I just thought that's yeah you tell him you tell him with your beer sitting there Uh, also I really I don't know if this is bad booking or if I'm just looking at it too hard but the missed three diving moves in a row like uh, so RVD does his moonsault his split leg moonsault Uh, Benoit got the knees up and went up to the top did a headbutt he missed he moved and then RVD tried the five star straight away, and he missed. And I'm like, "That's bad. That's bad, guys. <laughs> like this is it. RVD's crazy over. I love the uh, the reverse work. RVD getting the cross face in. Love a dragon sleeper as well. You never see that. Yeah. RVD's stupid and uses the shoulder that Benoit's been looking at. Benoit does three. I think he does what one of the young bucks do you know the northern light suplex the rolling yeah. one yeah love yeah. that but, uh, when, um, yeah fantastic move underutilized except when you're a young bug and you do it the entire length of a football field i love the finish the uh he done the five star but he like changed the midair
0: yeah that's right he um, sort of went he yeah sort of done changed like, his body like uh, body
1: position very good but yeah. good match I think it could have been better. I was expecting better, to be honest. I I don't know if the bar was set so high because of the previous matches, but I I wasn't as fussed on this match as I expected to be. So, yeah, it was fine.
0: Alan, over to
2: you. I obviously didn't remember it before, but I was a huge fan of watching Ben. While I wasn't particularly a huge Benoit fan, I was a huge fan of Benoit's matches. He just looked like everything hurt like hell. Everything he did was ruthless. RVD, I'm quite similar. I've never been fussed on him. I know he's massively popular. I know he can put on really good matches. I know he's supremely talented, but never find him particularly, you know, enthralling. But at the same time, I thought whenever I didn't even know his matches on the car because he just stuck it on the watch, and when it came out, and it was like, okay, Van Damme, okay. all right, Benoit, this is going to be a good match, and it kind of underwhelmed me a little bit. I don't know if that's because I really did enjoy Benoit so much, or because the matches before were so good. One thing I will throw in, seeing as throwing in random facts about matches, is this was the last Intercontinental title match before. It was actually the, the Euro Continental title, the the line from Artrith, because he had it only just recently... Unified it with uh, the European Championship, but then the next night it became the Euro-Continental Hardcore title, because he beat Tommy Dreamer, one of my other least favourite wrestlers of all time. Um, they unified it with the Hardcore match, but um, I, I think the best thing about this match was probably... Not the best thing about this match, it makes it sound really awful, but the, the most interesting part about this match was the back and forth between Steph and Eric Bischoff, as cringeworthy as it was, and it gave it a bit of meaning. It was odd, the build-up to this match, because obviously Benoit beat Van Damme for the title, but then Benoit kind of just forgot. We Van Damme all the game, which in a lot of matches with the Rock and Edge and stuff in the lead-up to this, and then he kind of just, oh, I'm back to the RBD. But yeah, I wasn't a big fan the match. It was probably my least favourite match, on, the second least favourite match on the card. We're going to come to it in a minute. But it was still, I think that says more about the strength of the card as a whole than anything derogatory about the match itself, because Put it on any other pay-per-view or any other show really, and it's going to probably stand out as a decent match. But I think it just suffered from being in amongst so many exceptional matches and expecting so much out of out of the two involved that that it kind of was a bit of a letdown in my opinion. Um, might be being harsh, but yeah, it just wasn't as much of a fan of it as I thought it would be when I seen the two coming out there. The yeah,
0: I think sometimes when the when the talent comes out and it's the, these two, the expectation automatically goes up. So they're almost sort of a victim of their own you know success in terms of the expectation level but your least favorite match on the card probably alan we have the undertaker and test i know spud you're a huge test fan so we'll come to you next but alan you didn't like this match why not
2: i'm disappointed that i don't like this match because like everyone who has ever watched wrestling love the undertaker if you don't you don't like wrestling, so just give up and you know go watch tennis or something. Um, and I also really liked Test. I thought he was going to be the state of line from the main event, the next big thing. He was he had everything that Vince loves. He was a big guy. He had long hair. He was like Triple H 2.0 coming through. The match made a lot of sense. It carried on from the tag team match. Test had a lot of heat coming in. As we already touched on, JR hated him and verbally announced this multiple times during the match test with the move I hate that guy like he literally was JR's commentary in this match Vance Storm and Christian both interfered it made sense again it wasn't just an interference for the sake of an interference um, both got laid out by Undertaker I didn't particularly dislike Big Red Evil or whatever he was called at this time he had about four incarnations of the American Badass I, I liked him he wasn't the Undertaker, obviously, as as we know and love, but he was decent. Test worked this match pretty well. Test was a good hit in this match. I'm trying to think of positive things to say because it really fell down a little bit, but Test worked it well as a hated things like when the Undertaker went to the old school, gets the crowd up, gets the pop, kind of ruined it by throwing the ref into it. You want to see that from a hated It's good, again, storytelling. I touched this before. I like to kind of get lost in it and forget that it's you know, scripted and stuff and that sort of thing sells it a little bit more. Um didn't get disqualified, but, you know, we'll not will not knock that. Um and then the Undertaker got what the whole crowd wanted, got to win the match, got to stand on the top rope and wave his American flag about. That sort of stuff for me kinda takes away from a little bit. He's the Undertaker, you know, he's not this flag waving that dumping it a little bit for me, but it was it was what the crowd in the arena really wanted. But yeah, the match kinda It was what it was. The Undertaker never really put... That's an utter lie. He puts on great matches all the time. But this just wasn't The Undertaker at his his best. It was kind of just a match for the sake of a match. Probably should have been a bit... I know you touched on great match placement in this card. Probably should have either been after the next match, just to give you a bit of a break in between the two, or earlier in the car because it was a bit of a nothing match for me, really, bar the fact that it was a chance for them to take to, to go over and get the weight of the flag about a little bit, and for one of the Un-Americans to get beat, because they can't have all the Canadians winning on the same night, or, you know.
1: Spud, any thoughts? Just I just googled Test, right? because Well, not today, I googled it while I was watching this. Because JR, uh, along with putting Test down for being a dirty, dirty Canadian... He also uh, said Test has got a massive future ahead of him, filled with gold. (laughs) I can tell you here and now he does not. Um, (laughs) He doesn't have that much of a future at all. Uh, (laughs) R.I.P. R.I.P. But see, in 2001, he was voted 37th. This is Test in the top 500 wrestlers in PWI. It's Pro Wrestling Insider. 37th. In the word test, really, really let that settle in. There was an non-Americans video, and JR wants them to go home. Also, um, <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure they're only about 50 miles from Canada at this point, if they're in New Jersey, I'm not 100%. Yeah. In the video package, I think it's Christian says the youth of America today would be able to name more Britney Spears songs than quote the Bill of Rights. <laughs> I'm like, right. well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> same. A hundred percent. It was a big hoss match. They're back and forward. I actually think Tess looked well here. But what I also noticed, Tess is Kevin Nash. <laughs> Test is legitimately Kevin Nash. He <laughs> goes the knees in the corner. He does the elbows. He does the big boots. He does a power ball. He's literally, he's like uh, a, a slightly more athletic. Also, he does the top rope elbow drop, And I'm pretty sure if uh, Kevin Nash did, did that, he would explode. But <laughs> there's a couple of things like uh, Taker did a really good back suplex. He got three endless stairs at one point, And that might have been where both his hips exploded. It was awful looking. It was like a, a Mick Foley bump in those stairs. Yeah. He used to do that running DDT, you know, where people duck down. Yeah,
0: that's
1: right. And instead of like kicking them in the face or doing the gold dust uppercut, he just grabbed them and done it. I love that. I love that move. Choke slam. Here's it. right. Again, I'm always trying to focus on the positive for a change, but Jr. right. So there was a choke slam test kicked out. And Jr. says you can count on one hand Who'd have kicked out of the chokeslam? <laughs> now, that is true, but you would need to use that one hand dozens of times. <laughs> keep, keep a tally of it in your head. Lance and Christian, they get chokeslammed and Big Bird, whatever. Uh, Tess got a chair kicked back in his face, like that. Tombstone, here's another one. <laughs> right. So he did the tombstone. He sort of semi retired that when he done the midlife crisis taker. He started doing the last ride, but Test is too big to do the last ride too. So you do a Tombstone, and JR says, oh, look what's coming out of mothballs. And King says, Hit Test, welcome to Tombstone, which I have no <laughs> idea what means. <laughs> like, what does that mean? Also, talking about Undertaker, I don't know if this is a plant or not with the flag, but he straight up steals a fan's flag.
0: I thought that when I watched that, I mean, did he just go and take a fan's flag? I bet he walked into the crowd because he's seen one and he's like, can I have the flag? And the, the fan's like, yes,
1: yes, yes. Maybe, but he also had the forefront uh, or the forward thinking of thinking, I'm going to grab that flag. Do you know what he didn't think about? Holding it the right way around. Yeah, there was that <laughs> day. It is backwards. And it's it did my head And He stole that fella's flag and he held it backwards. That's worse than what the young Americans are doing. At least yeah. they <laughs> use their ignorance on their sleeve. Uh, <laughs> it was fine it got the crowd popped it's the weakest of the night 100 percent i would agree with alan yeah but i didn't like taker at this point the more we talk about it the more i watch i didn't know how much i disliked motorbike taker <laughs> midlife price taker the more i watched i do what was the sting tune for this nah it's dead man walker yeah you don't know. all that ah, oh, what a loser i just think like here uh take the stairs away because undertaker has to do a wee lap of our of our ring so we need to put stairs somewhere so he has plenty of room to go around and he's walking it you know where he walked his bike around the ring but he couldn't go full pelt on yeah. a harley Davidson or whatever he was so he just kind of like he was plodding along on his feet. Ah, uh, such a loser version of Undertaker. <laughs> Fine. Um, Again, America's over. Undertaker isn't. He's yeah. just there. Yeah. It's the the vessel. Because of... he's
0: carrying the America flag, he's fighting the americans yeah. he's over. Well, moving on from this one, we've got our two main events, two big main events for quality workers. But before we do that, I want to throw up, not counting the dark match, Stephen Richards and Spike Dudley, there's 18 there's 18 wrestlers who have a match on this card 15 of them became world champions wow. only only landstorm gold dust and test were the only people not hold world title gold which says a lot about this card the people on it how they were booked how they continue to be booked the writing at the time I just thought it was very very good. When you look at that, 15 out of 18 competitors on this SummerSlam card were world champions. It's pretty, that's a great It's pretty impressive. <laughs> that's yeah, a really
1: good show, right,
0: yeah. Yeah, I mean, I actually didn't even realize that until I was looking through the card as we're on the podcast. I thinking, oh, wait a minute. Angle and Ray, it's a world <laughs> title feud. Flair and Jericho, that's a world title feud. <laughs> uh, Jedi. Yeah. yeah, no, 100%. And I was just sort of going through but every match at some point there was even every match had someone in it even though maybe Lance Storm and Goldust never got to the top level Christian and Booker T did Taker was obviously a world champion and then we'll have arguably two of the greatest world champions in terms of what people might argue up next between Shawn Michaels and Triple H um who wants to start this one and I'll go to the other one to start Rock and Brock but who, who would like to start with Triple H and Shawn
2: I'll go with a bit of controversy, first of all, (laughs) Um, which I would never quote any of that. I wish this match had never happened, because I, now, don't get me wrong, the match is fantastic, there are some brilliant storylines come off the back of it, the build-up was great, it hooked me, like, it's one of the few matches you remember from the time, it hooked me in, but Sean, why did you have to come back, like, stay retired. Well not even touching the fact that he came back again after his second retirement. The on, the only reason I'm glad this match happened, there's some fantastic stuff come off the back of it. Alright, obviously he has his feud with Ric Flair and Jericho and suddenly I'm talking about something to being glad it happened. I'm glad he came back because the undertaking is worth it. But yeah, like everything about Shawn Michaels beforehand was special. He was like he had this aura of like almost myth about him before this match like people that hadn't seen him were like oh it was Shawn Michaels he was the best ever and he came back and yes he had some fantastic feuds yes he had some fantastic matches wrestling world in general would be worse off of the probably the best media match ever against Undertaker came after this one but I don't know. There's just something about it that I kind of wish he just stayed retired and and kept that myth because then he went on. I still think, despite the fact he retired after Mania, he went on a bit too long, and then he came back again. Those awful, god awful matches, um, with Triple H and Taker and Kane would never have happened if he hadn't have came back for this match. Um, but yeah, that being said, the match was fantastic. Um, Shawn Michaels took. One hell of a beating in this match, and um, the commentary team sold it like you actually. This was Jr. at his best. You could almost hear the pain in Jr.'s voice, as if he was the one getting beat up, um, by by Triple H. <laughs> it was brutal to watch. At times, you thought Triple H is going to end Shawn Michaels' career that he hasn't even had. Um it was one of the most unexpected turns I've at that point ever seen and still to this day, probably the most unexpected alongside maybe not on as a big a grand scale, but alongside Seth Rollins turning on the shield is probably the only thing I can think of that comes close to this as someone turning on the, their mate. It was just everything about the storytelling this match was great. It obviously led on to, to some other big things. Um, I'll not go into too much about the match itself um, because I'll leave that for Spud to break down for us a little bit. But yeah, I really enjoy, I really enjoyed the match. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it told the story really well. I, I think for from a story point of view it would be better if Triple H had won. Um, but Sean had the win. It was his first match in four years or something. Um, and the way they ended, uh, sometimes matches are enough off the end and they have this Non-sanctioned match, and um, you think, okay, this is this is it. Whoever he wins here is like the guy. It's done and dusted. But no, Triple H being the ultimate heel that then took over WWE was like, nah, I'm not having that. You won the match, whack, have a sledgehammer in the back, and it looked. It wasn't like the way you see a sledgehammer. way put his hand over the top of it and your granny who's never watched wrestling can see these like just pretending himless. it was like a proper swing with right him on the back and you're like "Look are kind of going how does that work and not actually break his back even though you know that it's it stays you're still like so michaels is never going to walk again never mind have a wrestling match so yeah the whole thing just was a proper fight it wasn't a wrestling match it looked like a proper fight and that's what it's supposed to be. We touched on it before, about people going into matches where they meant to hate each other and start off with lock-up. Nah, not this. These two just beat the life of each other. Shawn Michaels came straight out, punching and kicking and trying to do anything he could to hurt Triple H. And Triple H focused on the back. backbreaker after backbreaker after backbreaker to start the match off. Um, so it all made sense. It was a fight. It wasn't supposed to be a wrestling match, and they sold it that way. So many times you see these fights, street fights and stuff, where they're putting each other in like headlocks and arm ringers. Nah, just beat the life of each other. And, and that's yeah. what they did here. It's fun. Yeah.
0: Before we go to slug with this, one thing I loved was every time John Michaels got a little tiny bit of momentum, Triple H would do a big move, a backbreaker, big clothesline, and it would knock Sean down, but the, it would completely silence the crowd. So when Sean, later on the match, started to tweak and started to get some offense in, the crowd just popped and it exploded. And I loved that little bit of subtle storytelling to get the crowd up for the the bit bigger moments or the high spots later on in the match. Spud, the one, over but to you. Just before, yep, go ahead, Al. Just for the guys,
2: past the one negative on this match is, and while I said that I understand why Sean Meadows had to win, don't win it with a roll-up. Like, he's put him through a table, he's been pedigree, he's been, like, done an elbow drop off a ladder and stuff, and then he went, like, this is a feud where you, this guy's trying to end your career that you haven't really got at this time, like, you don't roll them up for a win. like Make it something special to finish the match if you're going to go through all mm-hmm. that. That bugs me. I, I remember watching it and I forgot that's how I won. And it just came back in my head there. And I was like, no, that annoyed me watching that. And it annoyed me thinking about it again. Like That's not how much I got should end. Spud.
1: Thoughts. <coughs> mm-hmm. I've never agreed and disagreed with somebody so much in my life. Okay, <laughs> so I've literally wrote down here, Was anyone shocked that Triple H did it? Like you said, it was one of the most surprising, uh, like comparing it to Seth turning on the shield. But he'd already turned on him and then attacked him. They did it in a weird order. They did the DX comeback and he pedigreed him. Then he got attacked in a car park and Triple H is like, I'm going to find out who it was, Sean. I'm like, well, obviously it's Triple H. Who else could it be? <laughs> mm. He literally turned on him a couple of weeks previous. Yeah, I thought they did that strange. You were right about... at Well, oh, sorry. Let's, when he came back, I think... Again, I'm watching some old stuff. So I'm seeing Sean and Raw, 96, 97. <coughs> I, uh, at, thank God he came back because he had his best moments after his comeback he had way better matches right across the board he had way more people to work with right across the board and look at it you've got your taker matches at mania fair enough you had john cena matches that time they did an hour long match at raw in london yeah remember that you had the Kurt Angle match. You had the Jericho WrestleMania match. You had the uh, you had the Hogan Summerslam match, which was hilarious. Yeah. You had the Vince Street fight. Loads of matches like afterwards. I to, but that's just personal opinion. That's just me spouting. Right. So this is pre wobbly eye, Sean, <laughs> which I've wrote down because I'm an idiot. It's nice of WWE to give them pyro and referees in a time slot and one of their biggest pay per views even though it's unsanctioned. <laughs> but I've always thought that's really nice of them to do. He came in with a, uh, a T-shirt with a Bible verse on it, yeah. and I thought it was going to be some sort of eye-for-an-eye eye thing. Did you look up what it was?
0: Yeah, it's I Can Do All Things Through Christ. It's me. Right. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, Philippians 4, 3, uh, 413. I just thought that was cool. Um, I popped for... Hockey corner HBK, do you know where he puts his feet up? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's class. Like Alan said, the blood feud—they're just straight into punching, no headlocks, no uh, show of strengths or whatever. So that was class. Jr. put on a masterclass. He treated this like a uh, main event because it is the last match that he calls on the night. He's begging Earl Hebner, who I'll get to in a minute. Earl Hebner to fast count. Towards the end, he's like, just fast count tomorrow. Just finish it, you know, because yeah. he's just, he's going through a Please, I'll oh, call it off, call it off. And he says at one point, "Uh, oh, God, I want to see arms and legs moving because it's all back-based. He's literally, like, panicking for his friend, Sean. So JR had a blinder in this match. I slabbered about him a couple of times earlier in the in the pay-per-view, but this is one of the best Shawn Michaels is wrestling in cowboy boots. Why? Um, <laughs> I thought he looked silly. Um, I, like Alan said, again, the whole backbreakers thing. I love that he'd done the backbreaker on the chair, yeah. and then the chair was so mangled that Triple H at one point like puts it on the ground, has to stamp it flat, uh, just so he can do another move onto it. He goes for the... like. Uh, Peter Gabriel has a wee chubby moment where Triple H goes for a sledgehammer. I hate Earl Hebner. Earl Hebner, the, the more I watch the old stuff, I hate him. And him and Triple H had this weird feud for about four years where they're constantly at each other and Earl Hebner would push back and the crowd would pop a little bit. See the amount of time that Earl Hebner and him are squaring up to each other? It's like a minute. And... Earl's like, knock it off, knock it off, knock it off, come on, knock it off. The most annoying referee going, legitimately. <laughs> Agree. Agree. Legitimately, he's constantly in the way. Being, I think if you're a referee, and we're going to talk to a referee in a later podcast so he would give some insight, I'd, I'd like to ask him about this, actually. It's to be there, but not be seen. I think, I'd, don't go so far as what WWE have done and uh, stop naming them and give them nothing like yeah. we know we know tim white earl hebner jimmy Corderas, mike Chioda. i couldn't tell you like the ones that are floating about today except maybe the the girl one that i, I forget her name actually so no that that kind as well are you, are
0: you talking the AEW one referee Aubrey, that no. uh, every internet troll wrestling fan has a crush on
2: the last no. referee that i could tell you the name of is uh lil nates charles robinson <laughs> yeah,
0: he's, he's still charles there Trump. he's probably the only one still, still there
2: that you can really click
0: and go oh yeah
1: Earl Hebner really took me out of this match. I love this match. I think it's great. It's great working on the back. Uh, The cerebral assassin working on the back. Just because it all built up to HBK doing a nip-up, that got the pop of the match, at least. Possibly the night. He just did (laughs) Maybe the night. I was going to say the night, but um, he got the pop of the match at the very least because he just did a nip-up. And he does it every match, and he shouldn't, by the way. I just It's all building up to that. And it's like, and JR popped, and King's like, oh! And everybody, I popped, and I've seen it. I knew it was coming. So, um, yeah, I like the whole, I like the table spot where he did the I'm crazy. Like, do you know where he got up and put he dived through the table? And he done the, what, what would you call that sort of like, move? It was just like a big splash, wasn't it? no yeah, no no fast. but before he did it he did the, he did the crowd where he's like i'm crazy you know like yeah, his symbol, finger I guess. Just, yeah i'm trying to think of what that is more than anything but they did it cool uh but the whole time the crowd were chanting for tables and i'm like just wait you know there's going to be a table yeah it's 2002 all right it's a blood for you you know there's t- you've seen the tables when they pull back the apron just wait uh, we want tables, we want tables. It might be the only time that a fire hydrant or what do you call it, extinguisher, is being shown and not being sprayed. You just hit him in the head with it. Yeah. Which I helped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they were both gross with blood, especially Triple H. Oh, like he was gross. Like, ugh, like, <clears throat> disgusting. Chair shots to the head, I hate. Um, just because of the history and whatever. Um, he did this really cool bulldog into the steps. Let me see, what else? Um before he hits the elbow drop off the ladder, you know, the in the ring. He's like, I love each and every one of you. I thought that was pretty cool. Um JR's voice sounds raw. Yeah. King's happy. Like King's literally ecstatic that it's happened, and he's usually the heel side of things where he would be siding with Triple H. I thought it was just the most naturally, like, oh my god, he's back. Happy days, he's turned his life around. This is great. And, yeah, as soon as he wins, there's no time to celebrate. He hits him in the back. Uh, There's the CM Punk line. I've seen you hit hundreds of people with sledgehammers, and you haven't killed anybody yet. Something along those lines, this is as close as it's been. I think he did something similar to Vince a couple of years previous. But he just hit him in like the top of the neck, sort of between the shoulders. Why not just do that instead of the hand thing? I hate the hand thing. But he's the best heel going at this point. JR hates him. Yeah. He's got HBK beat your ass, you son of a gun or son of a gun, son of a bitch. Yeah. And <laughs> it's like he's so annoyed that it's happened and he's right. It's literally it was like five seconds before he just got up. Because it was a roll-up, I think this is actually where I disagree again with Alan. Because it was a roll-up, he was able to get up and just do that straight away. I think yeah. if it happened, like a a sweet chin music where he like falls into them, you know, like he does in a couple of matches. There's the excuse where the hill would be sort of lying there and recovering, whereas this gives an excuse just to get up and smack him with a hammer. I love this match. This is one of the best matches. Um, we're. Again, because you, I always sort of come across as a little bit AEW, unbiased. But if we're comparing the hardcore matches that AEW have had compared to this, not that much happened in this. There was no thumbtacks, no glass, no uh, going up into the... Not even through the crowd or anything like that. Yeah. It was just storytelling by two friends that got each other and knew how to get over. And I really just thought this this is what it should be about you can have blood you can have hammers and chairs and stairs and tables and whatever but you don't need to be like killing each other and kicking out every time like the fact that it ended with a with the (laughs) roll-ups it's not to me yeah it's like he literally he caught him with a wrestling hold no matter how much he beat him down he caught him with a wrestling hold he is the best wrestler of the night that's what i was going for and that's kind of triple h's arc against uh Shawn michaels has always kind of been in my head that he's always been that one step better than him yeah uh, this proves that i love 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 this match except for earl. if i had been jimmy or mike as the ref this would have been a different this would have been a 10 out of 10 it was a nine and a half because of earl hebner <laughs> i think um just to, to jump on some of the stuff you said there, I I think
2: the way you could, I understand the finish, um, and yes, given that the follow-up does make a great deal of sense, and you're right, the fact that it happens, there's no like, you kind of go into that match, expecting Shawn Michaels is going to get the win here, and he's going to like have this big like celebration, there'll be fireworks going off and all, and you're almost expecting that, and the crowd's expecting it, and Jr. and uh, Keener expecting it and then suddenly it's like boom this is wrestling you said it this is what it's all about this is wrestling at its finest but when it makes you feel emotion like you're watching this thing and you're like there is the elation of someone goes well it's like boom straight back down the earth he is laid out um, and and I, I fully 100% agree with your assessment of in this match it goes on for so long and just, like, this... And I'm kind of sitting there thinking, and it did take me out of the match for a minute or two, because you're like, this is a street fight, unsanctioned. Just hit him. Just like, smack him. Exactly. <laughs> Triple H is... is we talked about Eddie Guerrero and Chris on being, like, big. Triple H is an absolute specimen of a human being. Like, he is, like, a Greek god. And Earl Hebner is this old, balding guy... Like shove him about, like just take him out, and then beat the life out of Shawn Michaels some more. So yeah, that that really did did bug me, and Earl Hebner has always bugged me, and I just wish he would go away. But yeah, I think I'm I'm with you on that. I think if someone else had been in this match and not been having taken out of it, this is one of the the best matches to go down. And what you said about no thumbtacks and stuff. It, that makes it better because it's more real. There's nothing in this match that you watch and think that looks very staged. It looks like two guys who want to hurt each other, mm-hmm. and like if you were having like if you were having a fight in the street, you'd be like, oh, I wonder if I can go and lift a bag and find some nails to throw on the floor to throw them into. You'd be like, I'm gonna smash your head off the closest thing I can find to me, and that's what these two do. It's, I don't think you can set off with hope brilliant story this match is. Which leads me to believe that my thoughts of hoping this never happened is probably just because I don't really like Shawn Michaels and I don't really know why. But yeah, you're also right what you said, that his best matches did happen after this. I just I never really liked him, but I like a lot of his matches. He's like the opposite of Chris Benoit for me. I really like Bret Hart growing up, probably still better over the Montreal Screwjob. But so is he. Fantastic, fantastic match. It is ho- how proper blood feud should be done beat each other up start to finish don't oversell it in terms of you don't have to kill them dig them up kill them and rebury them and um, yeah just try and end them in, in whatever way possible
1: yeah yeah 100%. there's no uh, there's there's no fat in the match there's no extras that you could say ah, oh, you didn't need to do that you didn't need to do that it's, I'm constantly, like, saying wrestling's, like, a, I heard this from another podcast. It's, as wrestling fans, you're going through a lot of, let's face it, guff to get to something fantastic. It's about moments. It's about, like, Sean's back. Uh, Daniel Bryan won. You know, stuff like that. It's, uh, it's little moments. And I think this is one of them. This is proper... I just thought it would never happen at this point and then yeah. Shawn Michaels is back and he's changed his life and he's a good guy now. Let's go for it. Let's I've I've always been an HBK fan, so yeah, I get what you're saying. Um uh, but yeah, fantastic match. Ten well, nine and a half out of ten. Yeah. Because of are
0: I mean I can see where both of you are coming from and your in the points that you differ in and what you both said that you agree in, I would also be in agreement. Fantastic match brilliant to have Sean back one of the greatest ever Triple H probably the one of the if not the greatest heel of all time or potentially in this era at least I agree with something Alan you said earlier there could have been a bit of a filler match between this and the main event just because of how good both of them were really I really like the main event as well and that's what we'll move on to next
1: wait a minute
0: what have I forgot what have I forgot oh
1: you you're talking about filler (laughs) let's have some filler do you remember the Fink?
2: Yeah. Oh yes. Oh, well, uh, do you remember? Well, do you remember well, the
1: Fink segment? This is why uh, there wasn't a match in between. This
2: is. This is just, these are the things I tried to forget. This wasn't <laughs>
1: my accident. This was
2: wiped from my memory. You've dragged it back. My word.
1: Well, oh, this is literally. And you know what? This was fine. Also, just before. Uh, see when hbk was like getting stretchered out sergeant slaughter was there i just thought that was funny also there was a fella in a big long white doctor's coat and i'm like he's not a doctor <laughs> <laughs> he's just he's just a he's... fella that found that right so think per per perfect. i'm cringing as you say his name literally cringing in my chair trying to find somewhere to hide know so what i thought i went into this i like went oh there's Fink what's he at and then he started talking and I'm like oh god this is when they were trying to make Fink like a hill and Jericho (laughs) had him uh, for a bit and he was feuding with Lillian Garcia so Trish came out so why wasn't she just on the card (laughs) but she came out she looks better now than she did there Fink did it's cocky cocky Fink is it actually it made me laugh just it's not even cringe laugh i was just like what's happening here like why <laughs> why is the thing r.i.p by the way i i like think best <laughs> ever but he says hold on honey and i proper had to pause he goes hold on honey and i had to pause the stream just to <laughs> laugh for a while and he says um you think you're hot in front of an arena of Long Island skanks. I proper laughed. I'm like, think is classing this. Like, where's he getting all this? But then he says, you've got the puppies, and just stared at them. And <laughs> I and I have my wiener. God. I'm <laughs> laughing, but it's because I'm going to cry if I don't. It's so bad. Then Lillian Garcia, who I think it was the whole thing, like, who's going to be announcing... Or it was the brand split. It might have been the brand split. I don't know. But Lillian Garcia came out wearing one of Undertaker's bandanas as a shirt. <laughs> and slapped him. And that was it. They just went about their day. It's like, that's why there was no filler match. Because of Shall this. Novel, a low blow as well? I think it was a low blow, actually, the more I think about it. I didn't <laughs> write that. I was writing down all of, all of Fink's amazing lines. But, um, uh, yeah, I was like, why Why did that happen? But then, literally, it was either that or Spike Dudley versus Stephen Richards, so why not just have Fink come out and make an <laughs> idiot out of him? Yeah. Why not just tell a person that's been there three decades that you don't care about them and just make them look like an idiot in front of the world? So, yeah, yeah, bad times.
0: Yeah. Moving on from the, the bad times, let's move to some good times and a phenomenal main event. In my opinion, one of the one of the best SummerSlam main events of all time. In terms of in-ring work, it was good. You had two stars, two believable stars, two draws. Let's put it that way, two draws, respectively. Brock Lesnar in the UFC, The Rock in, obviously, WWE, but also in, in Hollywood. Two h- huge names. At this stage, Brock's pretty young, pretty fresh. They're building new stars. But when you look back at this now, you realise how good this really was, in my opinion, They had a bit of a feud going on in SmackDown. Nothing too heated, not so much a blood feud like Shawn Michaels' Triple H, but enough of a feud to make whenever Lesnar was in the ring waiting for him. The Rock music hits, he comes out, he drops the belt, puts it on the ground and comes sprinting to the ring and they just start throwing hands at each other. It It was believable, it was good. The Rock is a tremendous seller. As is Lesnar, when he got hit, the right man obviously went over. I just thought it was excellent throughout. Very very hard in my opinion to find anything to criticise in this main event. I'm hugely hugely like a fan of this main event. I'm trying to struggle for words now. I'm a huge fan of this main event. Dave Meltzer rated it something stupid like three and three point two five stars. Me and Spud compared other matches that were three point two five stars or higher to this match just to have a laugh at the lunacy that Meltzer's came off with with this one spud would you like to name just a couple of matches that maybe disco dave Meltzer rated higher than the rock and brock lesnar
1: yes yes i would okay the one that stands out for me and i've no idea why is Dean malenko versus scotty too got four stars <laughs> now i i, I love Dean malenko i like scotty too but four stars what what did they do China versus Jeff Jarrett same as Brock Rock <laughs> Becky Lynch Mickey James same Randy Orton versus Luke Harper in a throwaway match 3.75 stars so that was on a par with like Angle Ray match <laughs> Brock Lesnar versus Dean Ambrose at Mania do you know that awful one yeah 3.25 one that That's just, refused to let Dean Ambrose do anything yeah. in Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they just had a boring ass match Yep, the one that 100%. stands out for me, just to throw my two pence in, the card opener at the
2: worst pay-per-view of <laughs> living memory, Hell in a Cell 2019, with that shocking finish. The opening match of Natalia and Lacey Evans, where they put the most hopeless-looking finishers on each other, was rated as four stars.
1: by right the you answer. go. What yeah. a maniac. I'm sorry, I have d- no time for Dave. The Rock vs. Hogan is three stars, so it's less. That the yeah. same year, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mate, I, um, I have no time for Uncle David. Apart from anything, I actually, while we were talking about it and comparing stuff, the 2001 Royal Rumble, one of the best ever, I, I consider, whatever. Yeah. It's got the same as this match. How, this match lasted about 11-12 minutes. How does that compare to a Royal Rumble <laughs> that lasts an hour? <laughs> i don't get this thing and i literally don't get this thinking. yeah i don't did, get it let's let's put it let's throw another one on there just for just
0: for a bit of a laugh did you sure. know that fighter fest from a couple of weeks ago week one of fighter fest every single match on that fighter fest card was ranked higher than the rock and brock lesnar private yeah, party because... versus santana and ortiz 3.5 jurassic <laughs> express versus mgf and warlow 4.25 Hiraku Shida versus Penelope Ford, four stars. Cody versus Jake Hager, who is Jack Swagger, four stars. Dave Meltzer has lost his mind.
1: I have no that You know I've got serious issues with Uncle Dave. I think, apart from anything, he's been on radio for the last 20 years, and he's not as good as anybody that you've got on the podcast. <laughs> and we you are not...
0: You know, it was like... You know, uh, when, you know you know. Uh, like, um, you know, Kenny Meg is um, the best wrestler um, in the world. You know, you know but uh, but Brock Abushi, Lesnar, The Rock, three point two five stars. You know,
2: you know, yeah, you know, that's my you point. You know, you
1: know, you know,
2: you, you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's Dave Meltzer is just very much anti WWE unless it has an old indie star. Dave Meltzer has give one WWE match that hasn't been on NXT five stars in I think. It was CM Punk, Punk and John Cena is the only yep. five-star match WWE has got that's not on NXT since Bret Hart, Steve Austin at Wrestling... Uh, sorry, no, Michael's Undertaker, the first Hell in a Cell, was the last five-star match he gave WWE. <laughs> he hates them. I don't even think he hates them. I think he just does it to sound cool. Do you know what I think it is?
0: Bad? I think it's because WWE don't... Him. legitimize him as as a journalist like when you look at aw they promote some of the stuff he says you look at other promotions have promoted some of the stuff he says new japan make a big deal of him being at ringside there was a very funny clip i heard of him he was reviewing something and he says he went to smackdown and he brought his laptop and they wouldn't let him in with his laptop Uh, good and all i was thinking about was here's dave Meltzer sitting in the crowd with his laptop out trying to take notes on smackdown and i was like any any actual journalist would have a box they would be invited in they'd be sitting at gorilla xyz here's this guy trying to get in the fan entrance through the doors like a normal fan to sit in the crowd with his laptop out to take notes on smackdown i think it's because wwe do not legitimize him that's personally my opinion
2: this he's guy get, he, has given Kenny Omega nearly double the amount of five-star matches that Ric Flair had in his whole career.
1: There you go. He's got <laughs> he's heat at the minute with AJ Staz. Has he? Yeah. See, in the most recent one, I actually meant to tag you in a clip. He's he's calling out AJ, because AJ Staz, he moved to SmackDown, and there was that whole thing where he might have had heat with paul heyman and he's yeah. like i want to go to smackdown um and dave done as usual and just went with it and said i think you know uh i think you know um you know you know noise and smackdown and aj Styles just came out and called him a liar he's <laughs>
0: <So, laughs> not, not the first one so, either
2: yeah he's so never
1: had a fire star match
2: apparently one of the a he's awful Brands in the business is one of the best, not just at the minute but ever. But never had a
1: five-star match. I don't think Daniel Bryan had one either, according <laughs> to Dave. Yeah. Like with me looking back, I'm actually because I did like look back at all his five-star, and I'm like, you know, there's only been like less than ten five-star WWE matches ever. Do you know eight, uh, a few of them are Andre, Andre versus oh. Hogan, WrestleMania three got minus that? four stars. <laughs>
0: Part of, this, part of the star rating, I always believe, was crowd interaction.
1: But I brought it up to you that Fighter Fest wasn't in front of a crowd. Yeah. yeah. And all those were better than Rock Brock.
0: Yeah. Well, now that we're buried, we're <laughs> buried Uncle <laughs> Dave. Let's stick with Rock I'm, Brock.
1: I'm <laughs> kind of cross with this for giving him
2: any sort of, not that we're a massive platform, but give him any sort of publicity it awesome. wasn't making me cross.
0: <laughs> but no, moving no, on no, moving no, on to no, rock and brock i've said what i think spud you're up rock and brock hit me
1: cool um right like you said the laying the title down i'm running i thought that was a great start i talked about jr being the star of the triple H hbk match heyman was the star for this he was shouting for brock to make pins constantly yeah, yeah. he's like pin him pin him pin him it's like there's that urgency, and he he's brought it all the way until he beat like Undertaker uh, for the streak. He's always been like there shouting. I really like that, and the fact that he get put through a table as well with the safest rock bottom through a table ever. Like Rock hugged his head the entire way down <laughs> and like sat him down like a little baby. Love that. Um, him getting involved is great. Cole versus Cole and Taz were fine they were fine, like, Alan saying. he's, uh, Michael Cole, is not as bad, if you're not hearing him, in every show, and if everybody else, doesn't sound like him, um, Brock, was in control, for most of it, well not most of it, but a good lot of it, he was always like, making comebacks, this is peak Brock, where it was like, before he got the sword tattoo and he's on SmackDown. And he's the guy. It's like a cheat code on SmackDown. Here comes the pain. You use Brock and you're guaranteed to win. He did that backbreaker thing where he did three in a row. He yeah. was doing burp hugs. He was focusing on the ribs. Yeah. Love all that. I really love that. Um, The Rock looked like, at one point he looked a wee bit checked out. I think the crowd got to him being so pro-Rock. I mean, it's different when you're against Hogan at Mania. This is against a fella that was five months into his career his main roster career and you're getting a 50 50 john cena kind of style crowd yeah. saying rock versus bro it's i think it got to him and to his point he kind of started working heel a little bit just little things and he was looking at the crowd and kind of giving them the stink eye um they did a double kept kip up of that, and it was time to perfection. There were obviously because the referee was counting them both down. So I think it's once he says five, we'll both get up. And it was to perfection. And uh, the crowd want Brock Lesnar to win.
0: Yeah.
1: I have never been a massive fan of The Rock in the ring, uh, but this is one of his worst matches, like wrestling-wise, strictly wrestling-wise. It's his arm drags and his leg whips. Sloppy, sloppy, sloppy. It's the worst sharpshooter. I know it is, and everybody said, I have put a sharpshooter on better. I've seen enough. I did it. I had little brothers. I put them in the sharpshooter. 100% everybody did. But he was holding his legs. See if you go back and watch this, and I actually want you both to do this (laughs) just to see him. Brock's knees were on the ground. So, he's literally just holding his ankles. So, what the whole thing was, with the sharpshooter, you're meant to hook it, and Brett focused on the knees, and Owen focused on the knees. He's, like, grabbing onto their, their knee braces and wrenching back. Uh, the Rock just hooks both legs, tucks him into his armpit, and just sits there. It's awful. It's It nearly it nearly ruined the match, and Knuckle really put me off. It's the worst I've seen him do, because... I don't know if he could be bothered, or he was focused on going to do that absolute masterpiece that was the Scorpion King. I don't know, it, it just felt a wee bit like The Rock couldn't be bothered. Taz, at one point, says the crowd isn't digging The Rock, which I like, because these days they would just go, Oh, we've got a, a, a crowd tonight, we've got some some vocal crowd, and <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> You know, or back in the day, it would have been, oh, we're in Bizarro World in Canada or whatever. Yeah. Brock did cheat. He did a low, no, sorry, the rock low blowed him. So the rock was working hell. He low blowed him. Heyman was caught just before he got put through the table. He did swear really, really loudly. <laughs> <laughs> when he was caught, he said, oh, bleep. I love the rock, did a rock bottom to kick out. And The Rock was shocked, and immediately Brock bottom. Brock was shocked. I like that whole thing. And yeah. then um, the finish, it was just he did the spine buster and was doing the people's elbow, rock it up. It's, like, it's a passing of the torch if there ever has been one. It's him interrupting his finisher, his stupid finisher, with a big clothesline, a big meaty clothesline. F5, turned around to The Rock bottom, reversed, F5 again one two three brock lesnar five months in youngest ever champion headbutts the belt looks like a maniac it's amazing like when he wins the belt he's like headbutting it and screaming and it's like yeah and then it's just over that's the end of the pay-per-view there's no filler there is no fat on this pay-per-view even if you don't enjoy the test taker match or the, the tag match could drag a little bit. You could say we weren't as impressed with uh, Benoit RVD, but any other pay per view, like Alan said, it would be one of the top matches. This is a 10 out of 10 pay per view. yeah. And this is, like I said, uh, with the Mania 17, I think this is more the end of an era. Because this is where, well, like uh, Alan said, with the unification of the hardcore belts, the Euro belts, there's going to be new tag belts. This is proper. We're moving on to something else. The Rock's going. Austin's at home crying. So let's just make new stars. And it didn't really work out as well as everybody thought or whatever. But it felt like a proper end of an era. And I love, love, love that we've reviewed this. You made me do it for my homework. Loved it.
2: it
0: was a phenomenal pay per view. Phenomenal match. Alan, have you anything to add to this to this match before we wrap up?
2: In terms of the actual match, I don't think you can. Um, Spuds kind of nailed it. It, The Rock, The Rock came in. was supposed to be the face, and Lesnar was supposed to be the heel. But I think the fans had checked out on The Rock a bit more than he checked out on them because they're kind of sick of him. The Rock at this time was kind of going off for a few months doing something movie-wise and then coming back and she's like oh i'm gonna jump in again and the rock did get bugged by the crowd. was this the pay-per-view that he did the big like after pay-per-view speech and they just booed the life out of him and he
0: yeah it's on youtube it's actually quite funny he...
2: no more sing-along with the rock
1: you no, know,
0: that that was the promo in Toronto, but this one was, he did cut a promo after the mic, then he was going, they sort of were booing him and stuff, but once he set yeah. the mic down and started to walk out, they were like cheering and clapping him, and he, it was sort of, a, it was almost like a bit of banter between them.
2: Th- this, was a, this was a key point for WWE, their two biggest stars were Austin and The Rock, and as as Bud touched on there, Austin was sitting at home, having a little powder puff over the fact that they wanted him to... Yeah put Lesnar over and he didn't want to do it the way they said so he went home took his and home and no one knew if he was coming back he suspected but never knew and The Rock was heading off to Hollywood they needed this to work and I loved the build of this it wasn't just this pay-per-view the build of this in so many of the matches we already touched on the build uh, um, Triple H and and Shawn Michaels and even the it's quite a quick one for Angle and um, Mysterio and stuff at the start but they didn't just shoehorn Hornbrock Lesnar this match. They started him off where he came out. He destroyed Hogan and they touch on it and the, Heyman brings it up where they ended Hulkamania and the the commentators touch on it during the match. He won the King of the Ring. He robbed through the King of the Ring tournament and it was the first King of the Ring that they gave a title shot at SummerSlam since Mabel. <laughs> he went on the Viscera won it in like 94 or 95 or something so it all made sense so he went over RVD um, which I thought was a nice touch because RVD was like a Hammond's guy and Brock was the new the new guy mm-hmm. um, so they built it really well The Rock was the man um, while I wasn't particularly a fan of The Rock in the ring I think he had to have someone across from him who he could really bounce off he obviously had incredible matches with Austin and and stuff and I don't think he was the best in the ring but he was so charismatic that you just couldn't dislike him as a character I agree with I'm supposed taking the sharpshooter and I think some credit needs to go the only thing that saved that sharpshooter was the commentary I think it was Taz bounced in or no actually this might have been sorry I'm stealing Michael Cole's credit here Michael Cole bounced in and tried to make it look a little bit better even they recognised that The Rock had kind of half-assed that and talked about how Brock was too strong for him to get him in a property. And tried to sort of save it a little bit. And um, I loved the Brock bottom. I thought that was, it was probably pre-planned and, and written down for them. But I thought it was very witty at the time. Heyman is fantastic on the mic. But back then he got involved in the matches. He didn't just stand there shouting, I'm an advocate. And um, His sneaky wee grab of the rock and choking him and, and slapping him. And then it was a safe bump. But he still took a bit of a bump at release. Really sold the match. Heyman was super in this. He coached the... It was like every move. He was a proper manager. Wrestlers' managers come and they stand at the side, they bang the apron a little bit, they maybe distract the referee. He managed Brock through this match as if this is a fresh guy. You almost were bought into the fact that Brock, while an absolute freak of nature, is fresh and Heyman is there to guide him through this. And... I agree with Spud. I think Heming makes it takes this match from a very good match to a great match, um, despite the fact that The Rock really wasn't as invested in it as he could be. But the whole build was brilliant. Um, and as I said, the right guy won. Lesnar had the win. This. They built him up as an absolute freak, unstoppable force. And The Rock, why maybe not as heavily invested in this match as he had been in some previously. Did little, subtle things. that The Rock was classed as a veteran here. You kind of forget that The Rock had only been around for maybe five or six years, but was so charismatic that he bounced on pretty quickly. He was in the twilight of his career, already had matches 15 years later, but he did little, subtle veteran things, like just throwing the belt down and sprinting the ring. It kind of was a case of, okay, The Rock isn't coming in, going on to every ring post, showing off with his... One of the coolest things that anyone does with a belt where he just whips it back over his shoulder. And I think it's one of my favourite images in wrestling. But he's like, nah, not having that. This guy needs to be taken serious. And I think things like that got really put Lesnar over as an absolute machine. And then the, the very fact that there wasn't 18 kickouts Every title match at a big pay-per-view nowadays. It's finisher, kick-out, finisher, kick-out, finisher, kick-out over and over again. It wasn't that. There was a rock bottom. He went for a people's elbow, reverse... Reverse one f five bang, automatically is a move that people need to be afraid of. This is take the rock out in one go, and I think I just, as has been touched on, this pay per view just hit all the right marks. Even the matches that weren't particularly a fan of, I think it's probably just because they were on such a good pay per view. There was so much about it that was great. That stuff that was just good f- seemed to fall short. Um, but, yeah, th- this match, I think I think The Rock, even though he wasn't specifically in it as much as he used to be, was the right guy here. He was the guy that went out and made Brock look good. Because, let's be honest, in terms of the, the top, top guys, Bar Sean and Ric Flair, The Rock probably sells moves better than anyone else. You know, he makes stuff look like it's impactful. And Lesnar came out of this looking like the guy that, delete the WWE for the next 10 years unfortunately it didn't work out that way but you know, they, they couldn't have built them up any better and this was a comedy, this wasn't a, just a pay-per-view that happened within a month, it seems to be a lot of the time it's okay what do we do for the next year? this was built up from the minute that the, the Brock came into the WWE, everything led to this moment and it was one of the few times back then that the fans were ecstatic that they hated won the match and I just think it was a perfect finish to what was five months of build
0: perfect finish to probably as perfect a show as you could probably do at that particular time given the talent and stuff it was excellent it was fun as i said 15 out of 18 competitors on the main show were world champions at one stage and that really does define the quality that was on show in this SummerSlam, in my opinion anyway
1: if this was a mania card you'd be happy enough yeah this is literally like a semi mania it's like a half mania because there's double the matches every minute, but you'd be buzzing for this to be the mania 2003 or whatever following it. Ten out of ten, lads. Honestly, I that uh, I might rewatch it tonight yeah, just a to,
0: just solid show from start to finish, isn't it? You know, yeah, everything's good. There's even as Alan said, the matches that we, that we weren't too bothered about, they were still good matches. It's probably just hurt by the quality of the card more than anything else you know, even of, of the character, you know what I mean? Like Undertaker test was decent enough, but because it wasn't Deadman Undertaker and you were kind of bored of that Taker, it sort of made yeah. you switch off a little bit.
1: Yeah, it's literally, um, like we've already said, I think we're casting, like, the RVD Benoit match would have been the best match in any other uh, pay-per-view of that year.
0: Yeah. You
1: know what I mean? It's a, it's, it's a strange <coughs> thing. It's It shows how good the pay-per-view was, top to bottom. Just if you've nothing to do and you've the WWE Network or somebody you know has WWE Network, just go for it. Just whack it on. It's it's an easy watch. It's not even that long. Plus, the Finks in it, talking about puppies. (laughs) What can't you love?
2: There was nothing on the card. I've I've touched it before. I love to just suspend reality and watch it and just get lost in, in in the action that's going on. One of the things that bugs me more than anything is when you're watching something... And 30 seconds before something happens, you think they're doing this to do this in a minute. There's none of that in this card from from top to bottom. Even, like, they do spots. Sean has his elbow drop off the ladder. You know, they have their interferences. There's nothing that you look at and think, this is so obviously what's going to happen next. Everything just seems smooth. Everything flows. Everything makes sense. Even stuff you don't particularly like. Like the, the roll up finish, it all makes sense when you see what comes after. It's it is wrestling as it should be. I can't really say too much, about it. I'm glad I, I never. Well, I probably never would have watched the, this pay per view again. And um, if we hadn't been doing this, um, as much as it's a privilege to, to join yourself and Spud, it was it was great to go back and watch this because yeah, I enjoyed it. I sat and watched Let's... the whole thing through, and it and it was over too soon. And it's not often you say that bit of pay per view anymore. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Let's both thank Patsy. Thank you, Patsy, mate. Thank you for <laughs> thank bringing you us are. back at the r <laughs> Good guy. We'll do it again next year and see how we are been. Yeah, we'll review it again. We'll do the whole thing. Our oh, test is useless.
2: <laughs> maybe, maybe by that stage I'll end over my bitterness about Sean. Need to um, get over
1: this screw job, man. Yeah, I was, was going to say... <laughs> Fred's maybe, over
0: maybe, it. Fred uh, B- you know isn't, isn't, think isn't think? over it. Fred is <laughs> over it. Maybe, maybe a year from now, Dave, I'll... Um, I've seen sense with his star rating, but he probably won't. But he may have retired.
2: He'll be a w TV champion or something. <laughs> That's a great
1: show. I was was, like, <laughs> on to the TNT
0: champion, the only person Cody Rhodes will drop the belt to.
1: Five, five star.
0: <laughs> well, gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure. I know it's late with you. Go and get the bed if you're going to bed, or continue to drink some beers, Spud i'm assuming you're having, cheers i'm assuming you're having a few cans i heard you open a can earlier so i, I thought i meant this area about enjoying your beers uh, that's
1: why i had that that's why i had to have the toilet break man there i'm there. about a six-pack deep but yeah
0: <laughs> well as always it's been an absolute pleasure gentlemen alan first of all from you thank you so much
2: no problem mate. Right. thanks very much for having me and enjoy your evening i will speak to you all
1: again soon
0: well Spud, thank you as always for coming on. And if you please give a shout out to our favorite band,
1: <laughs> yeah, I'd like to shout out the fake Are flirtations. They?
0: No, they're <laughs> second,
1: they 2nd they did not allow us. No, the fake flirtations for giving as closer as the use of our theme tune, I guess. They've got an LP on Spotify, check them out, give them a like on Instagram. Give me a like on Instagram, I'm Orange Spud. You can see what kind of food i'm eating on there that's really fun or you can go on to aren'tsbub1 on twitter and tell me that everything that i've said is a load of rubbish
0: <laughs> thank Get you out. for
1: having me Party. i always i always love coming on here but as I'll, always I'll gentlemen speak
0: as always good night gents all the best thank you for listening to the podcast with me your host darren please follow us on instagram and twitter at the Potscast. Thanks for your time, stay safe, and tune in next time.